Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina conversation. Today's chat features James Byrne. The, we were talking about Deadlock that comes out on August 8th. This is James' second time with us on the Nerd Cantina show. The first time he was with us, we talked about uh, gate, The Gatekeeper, which is the first in installment in um, the Des Limerick series. And then today we're talking about Deadlock, which is a sequel that comes out on August 8th. And um, I just loved this book so much. So I was so excited to be able to chat with James again and get to know um, how he brought more Des Limerick to the world and how he really stepped it up from the first time around. Uh, but either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is James Byrne. All right, today we've got James Byrne here. We're welcoming him, welcoming him back for a second time here for another Cantina conversation. Um, today we're talking about Deadlock. That is the sequel to the gatekeeper <laughs> and uh deadlock is coming out on august 8th um dead or the gatekeeper is available now uh james it's great to see you again thanks for coming back i'm so excited for more does i mean i was so excited for more does i finished the book and like it was so easy zoomed right through it and i'm you know i'm already like upset that i can't get more of him already so like i'm mean, thanks for uh you know uh chatting again and um getting right down to it oh so glad to be here thank you so much yeah perfect so um to get started can you give uh like a summary of the book so um listeners can follow along with the conversation yeah, Des is a guy who used to be in a military, I don't say which one, and he's just traveling around the United States with a guitar and getting into troubles. In this book, an old maid of his calls and says that her sister is in trouble, has been attacked, and has been hospitalized up in Portland, Oregon, which is where I actually live, where I'm standing right now. Des zooms up to see if he can help and runs into a conspiracy that involves the uh, DEA, the Marshal Service, the Witness Protection Program, and a major international multinational corporation des being des he gets involved because that's kind of his name <laughs> yeah abs- you know <laughs> i i love his personality or just his like method of getting the job done um no matter what where he if he gets in trouble or if he gets he he crosses paths with authorities he kind of just like okay it is what it is let's get this over with once you guys find out what you've got to find out you'll you know you'll let me go like he just he's always like 10 steps ahead of everyone and it's he's just got like such a a nonchalant way but once he kicks into gear he definitely kicks into gear and i it's such a unique take on that on that kind of (laughs) profession that he's retired from like you know mercenary slash you know technically he's a mercenary right or ex-mercenary right and then so he um he he's like one of my favorite characters of all time just because he he's like you look at him and you kind of kind of see that he's a little weathered um and Mm -hmm. he's got some history but the way he goes about carrying his you know not in not when he's not in action it's it's like he's the least threatening person but that once he's in action it's like okay i want him to be on my side like i, <laughs> I love it i really wanted to do and i because i hadn't seen it before is i wanted an action hero who has no angst whatsoever he's just a happy guy he likes life he considers himself to be a lucky dude and when he's arrested and it happens often in books he doesn't hold a grudge it's usually because he's done something illegal and they should yeah. arrest him <laughs> completely understands their point of view he's he's uh i wanted to see if i could bleed as much toxic masculinity (laughs) out of an action hero as it was possible to do and not make him a total complete doofus so that was kind of a that was the balancing act but it was really fun to write a character who 
just is sort of enjoying himself. Absolutely. He definitely does. And it's it's even funny because once he opens his mouth, it's really hard not to like him, even though even if he's against you, like even if he's trying to stop whatever you're doing, you still like him. I don't know. He's just such a likable person, but he's like so like he could be so ruthless. But yeah, it's like when I compare him to other characters who have similar skill sets and find themselves, you know, associated or just find themselves in similar situations. Cause yeah, like he is very cooperative and he's very just like calm when he needs to be because he has experience. He doesn't need to really worry about anything. Um, but yeah, when I, I, when I come across like similar characters, he, they, they wear it on their sleeve, right? They, they come off that way, but it does, doesn't really come off that way. He's just, just like, you know, you don't, you, you got to pinpoint his accent. You don't know what his humor's like. And then once he starts opening his mouth and he like, it's I I love it and that's why I was like after finishing the gatekeeper I was so excited that um deadlock was coming that more Dez was coming and um you did not disappoint and so I love the like how the effort that you put into just making him unique and fun and um you know but you didn't stop there because Dez is uh the situation that he finds himself in this time with his friend and her sister I feel like this this second time around you really show that he's he's also brains in in addition to brawn like you you showed more of that side to him where he's got to be like you know cunning and resourceful you know whether he's got uh, a knife or a marble or like, <laughs> a, or, or a dam or like he has a store where he could get his material like he just he is he's out of control and i love it i love I love it. Um, but yeah, it, it was, you know, the second time around, I was, I was so excited and, and you, you know, you stepped it up, right. You had to like add more, uh, risk. You had to add more, um, something new to re- readers who already know the character and already know you. And, um, no, I, I loved it. It was just very, very well done. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It was fun. Um, for, in case people haven't read these books, Des is a gatekeeper, which is a term I invented, but basically he is a breach expert. It's his job to open doors, keep them open for as long as necessary and let his fellow soldiers in and out and nobody else in and out. That's his thing. And I realized very early on when designing this idea that he would have to have, um, Although he talks like he's from the streets, he has to have higher education degrees in things like engineering and electrical engineering, uh, civil engineering. He's really good with computers. So it was sort of fun to have a character who, yes, he's brawny and yes, he can throw one hell of a left hook, but he's also book learned. And so that was sort of fun. To, and, he, and he more or less hides it. You don't really learn that much about him because he, he doesn't come across like a, a book guy. So that was sort of a fun juxtaposition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of hopping off of that, like what, you know, this is your second time around with, um, with Des and, uh, your second installment in, in his story and his, his journey or in his adventures. Um, did you do anything different this time around? Like as far as your writing process, your research, like, you know, did you learn anything and uh, from the first go around applied it this time around? Like, I want to hear, I want to explore any, anything and everything, how your experience was um, writing the sequel. I have, um, I still use the same writing process I've always used, which uh, we often refer to as a really stupid way of writing. I am a dumb <laughs> writer. Just to say that I don't plot. 
I just kind of start writing until I find a plot that I enjoy. And I will sometimes erase 10, 20, 30 pages because they were wrong. I will just realize, oh, you know, I put them in a the wrong place. I'll take it back. And my wife uh, just always laughs. She refers to that as my 40-page cul-de-sac. I'll just kind of back, back <laughs> Start over again. And, you know, a lot of writers I know, if you had to lose 40 pages of a novel, they'd have a cardiac incident. For me, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> it beats. I used to be a Good janitor. for you. <laughs> this beats being a janitor. So uh, I still use that system. I also write longhand, uh, like in the morning on a steno pad, and then uh, translate that into my computer in the evening. So it allows me to be creative with one half of my brain and analytical with the other half of my brain. And I can see every day, yeah, that's that par- that chapter I just did that really works or nope, nope, didn't carry it. It didn't carry the freight it needed to. I need to ditch it or I need to change it. And I can do that analysis every day, which makes me fast, faster, I think, than a lot of writers. I can write a novel in first draft in three months, which is pr- pretty quick. Um, yeah. So I didn't really that none of that really changed. But it was nice doing a book for the first time ever in my life in Portland, Oregon, which is, you know, the town where Katie and I live. And I adore Portland. It's my favorite city on earth. Wouldn't live anywhere else. And so it was kind of fun getting to see the city through the eyes of my fictional character and kind of, I don't know, maybe falling in love with Portland again. Portland was going through a tough time with the pandemic and we had protests and we've had major wildfires, which of course the East Coast and Midwest are having now. Um, Mm -hmm. Town's a little dented, but to be honest with you, I love it to pieces and it was good seeing it through his eyes yeah absolutely and i'm right there with you with like you just you stand you know no uh, no city no you know no home city is perfect but you stand by it no matter what and you know i'm with the wildfires i'm in the chicago area and that's unfortunately our air quality uh our air quality we're feeling it now because we followed it you know uh new york and the east coast and then um I think it was like t- maybe 10 days ago. And so I was kind of like following it. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And then I think at some point I was like, oh, it might very well make its way over here. And it's and now it is. And it's like, it's not super horrible. I mean, I'm in the suburbs, so it's not like super horrible, but it's still like passing through. And it's definitely like, and plus like it's just really hot. And so it's like, it makes it so much worse. But yeah, so we're dealing with that now. But even then it's like, you know, people say what they want, they, they say about Chicago, but it's like, I will still just, you know, stand by it. Like it's such an iconic city and it's such, you know, and I've been here all my life and I've also been to Portland too. I think we talked about it last time and I, I enjoyed myself at Portland. Like I know it could be a hot mess sometimes, but I enjoyed myself. I was there with my best friend. We did like a long girls weekend there and um, it was so much fun. Like, I mean, I drank too much beer, but it was so much fun. <laughs> It happened. Yeah, well, that's just because there's like a, a, you know, a brewery like every half block. And it's like, but I, that's part of it. And I would, but that's like, if you're really into that, like, because I'm, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to beer. I just have, if I want to watch my waistline, I got to stay away from it, you know, because otherwise it adds up. But when I'm in a place like that, it's like, no, I'm going to go try out to shoot. So I'm going to go try out like, you know, all those like whatever neighborhoods it's got it going on. Um, And because it's on, you know, still on the West Coast or, or, uh, Northwest Pacific, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm an oyster person. So I was all like uh, getting all those oysters in. Like I was, uh-huh. I was in it. I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, and I could definitely see myself just like, you know, like, yeah, going back there like anytime and just chilling, just like not even being a tourist, just like going and hanging out. Like it's so easy and, and, you know, it's, and yeah, we did some touristy stuff. Powell's so excited about Powell's. 
So excited. Oh, and I love that you mentioned it too in the book where Des loves it. He Des loved it too. When you when you you put that in there, I was like, Yes, Des is a bookworm. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> like that solidified his awesomeness. Yeah. And we uh, uh, Katie and I are very, very proud of that. Pals is probably the finest bookstore in the English speaking world. I mean, we've been all over uh, uh, and nothing can nothing compares it. It's awesome. And so and it's our neighborhood. We can walk from because we live downtown. We can walk there. It's our neighborhood bookstore. So we're insanely lucky. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you like Portland, too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I did. And yeah, we did the um couple museums and art galleries and stuff like that. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was just cool. And I think it was just easy, you know, to mosey around. So kind of happened, you know, going back and forth, I'm going to go all over the place today. Um, it, for people who haven't read the first book or who uh, listened to the first, um, the first time you were here, can you go into like your background and maybe like what led up to you uh, creating Des Limerick and bringing this wacky, impressive uh you know very resourceful force to the world <laughs> so okay. um this is about my 12th book uh and i've been with bantam a long time ago blackstone audio i did four other books in another series with saint martin's press who I'm, who I'm with today and i'd done a lot of ensemble stories with more than one protagonist and i hadn't really done that single male protagonist action adventure book and my editor at saint martin's a guy named keith kayla who is a He's a legend. He's one of the finest editors in the world. Tremendous. He had asked my literary agent if I had a single male protagonist uh, story in my hip pocket. And as luck would have it, I was working on one. So I wrote it for Keith. And and I really wasn't sure that they were going to take it because he's such a nerdy, dopey character. He's so unusual that. And I thought, you know, I'll go ahead and write this because I adore Keith and, and give it to him. But I don't think he's going to take it. And he... <laughs> They bought a two a two book contract for it, and they've bought two more. So there's actually four books that I am owing them, uh, which is very. Exciting. But um, it, it my idea had been to do a couple of things. One is to have this character who is jovial and fun and enjoys life and and just happens to beat the hell out of people from time to time, but doesn't hold grudges as he does it. And I also really wanted to do lots of uh, strong female characters because I was going to have this uber strong male character. And in order to leaven that, I wanted to make sure that both books have a lot of really, really strong female characters. So you don't ever, I didn't ever want to get a sense of, oh, only guys would read this book. And that was something I wanted to avoid pretty strenuously. So in both books, there are some real strong women who drive part of the plot. And that's, that's always, you know, grand fun because that just, uh, gives you a nice balance of storytelling when you do that. Yeah. So was there anything like challenging or tricky about like, how did you approach having to, um, you know, cause it is, it isn't, you know, you write it in third person, um, but you know, kind of balancing that and, and trying to make sure like that you weren't overdoing it. Right. So like, were there any challenges into um, really striking that sweet spot? And like, did you, you know, did you draw from any inspiration or, you know, how did you, did you read a lot of other books? I, cause I agree. Like you could tell that, you know, you didn't, I think one of the things that some authors um, slip into is describing like the physical appearance, like to, which is like we're humans and and men mostly will will kind of fall into that where they describe female characters that way um but i you know you you did like yes this is how she looks and this is how des is seeing her 
and noticing about her, but then he kind of, he moves on. Like, right? <laughs> like that's that he he notices it and he acknowledges it and he compliments it in his brain and then he he moves on. So like, how did you you know? Like, I just kind of want to explore a little bit how um you hit that sweet spot and what you had to do to like to and I also I don't know we'll we'll get into it, but I'm also like. I feel like you should have, when you talk about earlier, like how you were throwing out like 40 pages that didn't work well, I feel like you should just start saving those and, and give the readers some short stories with does. I think that would be, <laughs> that would be phenomenal, you know, or like keep it in the vault, you know, like <laughs> some special edition. That's just like my little tidbit, but we could talk about that too. <laughs> some, like, you know. Well, uh, two things. When it comes to writing female characters, uh, Katie reads all my books, my wife, and she will okay. call me on my shit. <laughs> she makes sure that I don't, you know. Perfect. Like, <laughs> and, and she'll sit and she'll pick up the funniest things that as a guy, I would never realize. It just, uh, um, I, there was a scene, uh, in, in this book where, uh, the character who is the CEO of this corporation goes for a long run and then she gets back home and drinks a whole bunch of water and then she jumps on the scales. And Katie says, no woman drinks water and then jumps on the scales. What are you nuts? <laughs> now that would never have dawned on me in a million years, but. Okay, well, that actually makes sense, <laughs> but you know, she, so she's really good, and she is absolutely uh, fearless about saying, "Nope, that didn't work. Nope, I <laughs> can't do that one." And so that uh, that helps a great deal. Second thing that helps a great deal is that this is from the United Kingdom, and I obviously am not. So there are two different people who who proofread the books, looking for the Brit speak stuff. One is a woman who's from England, and one is a woman who lived in England for a long time. Uh, my my dear friend Meg Gardner, who is the writer of uh, many many books, including Heat too. And so uh, uh, Meg read it in her early drafts and came back and said, "Nah, that's not really how you would have said that, you know." And so she and so she helped me fixing. As did this other woman who works for St. Martin's Press. So that was super helpful. And then finally, to your point about short stories, my literary agent Janet wants me to do short stories too, which are not my genre exactly, but I have been saving up and working on a, some Des short stories. They're not yet ready for prime time, but I'm, <laughs> I, really like, I'm, I, I think that would be fun. So I am doing that. I second that. I would encourage you to go for that, or at least just save it until you're ready, because I know short stories are like definitely. Um, you know, their own little, little ball game. And it's, yeah, because you, you know, 20 pages versus 320 pages, right? It's like, you gotta, you gotta condense and accomplish so much and like such a, like a much smaller, you know, yeah, like a much smaller, like time or you know, time frame, page frame, whatever you want to call it. And, um, I, I think, yeah, I didn't really get into short stories until I like started doing this and, um, talk to authors about it. And I find that like, it's, I like it. Like I like reading short stories where you could like, it's just a collection. You could pick it up and finish the story and put it down. And like, I've got, you know, I've got two kids and a full-time job with like a husband and all that. So it's like have, having something where I don't have to like always remember like where I left off. <laughs> it's so helpful. It's so, and it's so cool just to like, you know, especially in the world that we live in, like sometimes our like attention spans are a little bit, um, you know, uh, compromise. Yes. Like, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So no, I, I definitely second that. Um, and you know, whenever you're ready, I, I, you could do it. I believe in you. (laughs) I, I just, I love, you know, I think everyone would love more does and you could do, you could just do so much fun with it. Even if, especially for readers who have never, never met him yet. Uh, The, 
he, they, they're introduced to him through a short story. That would be so funny. Like, so fun. It's like, you could yeah. do so much with that. <laughs> um, I'm working on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, so there was a lot of, like, a lot of more technical, not a lot, a lot more technical than the first one, but there was, like, you know, you have to, in order to be authentic, you had to, like, get really specific about some things because he does is, like I said before, we get more of his, his, uh, brain smarts, like not just his street smarts, but his, um, book smarts and really exercising and demonstrating his, his book smarts and his education. And, you know, with the antagonist here, oh God, what's his name? Gareth McDonald. Mm-hmm. I think I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember it was such a unique name. Um, he, he's even like, has to remind himself sometimes when he's up against us like oh shit like no he's educated like <laughs> we forgot about this we forgot about that because it's like it you know and i it just it made it so fun but yeah so how did um what kind of research went into this and like how did it differ from the first time around because obviously you had to do a bunch of re- research for the first one and then for deadlock um because he's showing how you know not only resourcefulness but just like knowing the the items that he needs the tools that he needs to make things happen or just being able to see what's around him and go with it and it's not just a matter of using something as a weapon it's like building something that will aid him later or like doing canvassing or doing scouting of the land lay of the land and and seeing and building his plan off of that and it was just like so impressive so like how you know you had to be authentic you wanted it to be like you know real believable all you you couldn't go too like far-fetched in this so i want to just how did that research go like what were the most fascinating things you learned did you run into any like um obstacles while you were trying to put it all together and and fit all the pieces in like how did that go for you well i do uh, kind of a reverse type of research that uh, for most of the writers i meet that is to say i don't do my research in advance i wait until i need it so <laughs> I will, and i often i do a kind of a dopey socratic thing where i say to myself what is the dire situation I could put my protagonist in that I don't actually have a solution to get out of. Now that the protagonist <laughs> is in a bad situation, now I'll go do some research to figure out how somebody much smarter than I and somebody who could actually win a fight. You know, I'm a professional copy editor. I, the heaviest thing I've ever lifted is a compound sentence. So <laughs> how do you get out of this problem? So uh, I will set up the problems and then go try and figure out what the solutions are and do the research. And sometimes you realize, oh, you know, a, a smarter person would have realized there's an easy way out of this problem. So it's not a good problem. You need to get erase that one and do a different problem. And sometimes I'll get into one that's like, oh, this seems an intractable problem. I'm going to have to do a lot of research. And when you get to that point, you're in the golden spot. That's great. Because then it's going to take a really smart and clever lad to get himself out of that situation. So I set up the premises and then I do the research to try and find solutions to the premises. Uh, it, it's a little bit harder that way, but it's, it also, um, you do have those aha moments where you think, Oh, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> As a non-human being, not violent, I would never have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, that helped. That helped. The other problem I had in this book, of course, was I wanted to do a high tech company. Uh, this corporation is very, very Northwestern Intel, you know, uh, Silicon forest. And to put it mildly, I'm not technically oriented. I don't have any idea. Like, 
I know that my car runs, but I have no idea why. It can get me to the liquor store, but I don't know how the carburetor does it. It's part. So I had to do a ton of research into the high tech world, which is way not my area. Um, so that was, that took, that took a lot of research and I sort of needed to invent a, hopefully invent a technical process that somebody came up with that made them a billion dollars. And so I invented this idea that this company has a way of paying one's taxes. Well, I'm a journalist by trade, but I'm not a business journalist. I'm not a tax journalist. So I had to do an inordinate amount of research into that too. So there was a bunch I had to do into that kind of stuff to try and figure out, to find a protagonist who was worthy of Des. And um, I hope against hope that I found it in both Clockjack Solutions, but also in in the military arm, uh, right. Gareth. One of the things that was really, really, really fun to do, and I didn't see this coming until a second later draft of the book, that um, in a different world, Des and Gareth would have been buddies. They had started the same background. They came from the same parts of the world. They probably served in the same. We know that they served in the same parts of the world. And had things been different, had they just met as two mates in the military, there's a good chance they'd have been friends. So mm. that, that was fun to do, too. This guy's not inherently evil. He's not snidely whiplash twirling his mustache. He's got a job. <laughs> job is different than Des's job. Uh, and so it was really fun playing with that dynamic and adding that into second and subsequent drafts that they, they, they weren't, they weren't mortal enemies. They just were on the wrong side of a, of a dire situation. Yeah. And I really appreciated that too, because you really like that. And plus, um, because the first book, you know, with the politics of it there, you did one side where the yeah. one side was, the cause of all these problems or do, you know, doing these uh, questionable, unethical, you know, in the, and behind the curtain operations. And then with this one, you did the other side and you showed that, uh, you know what it's, it's two sides of the same coin kind of thing. And I, I, I just so appreciate and love that just realness of it. Cause it's so, it's just so, plausible it's so real it's like yeah absolutely we don't want to stray too far into politics on this but it's just the reality of it it's like both sides like left versus right blah 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 but at the end of the day it's like everyone is susceptible to corruption everyone is susceptible to their own agenda everyone is like like you know don't don't walk with uh the rose colored glasses too too much you know like just don't be afraid to to look behind your, you know, your own side. And um, I just appreciated that, you know, you, you acknowledge both sides, you acknowledge both ends of it. And the fact with Gareth, it was kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Like if they would have not f- been on the opposite ends of this situation, um, they, yes, absolutely. They have so much in common. They have such a uh, similar background, similar origins, similar, outlook and just and then they both acknowledge that too like they're both mm-hmm. de- and we all we all know how does is like understandable and logical and not you know super crazy i mean he's he's kind of a madman but he's not like you know he, <laughs> he has a method to his madness um but gareth is also like at the same time and he gives him credit where credit is due he like he, you know, one of my favorite things was, I think, like, during one of his, like, you know, secretive uh, infiltration, you know, missions or whatever, where his um, fake name was, like, Carol Key or something like that. And 
And then Gareth figures out that, you know, it was uh, someone who did the original score for Mission Impossible. (laughs) Like, this, that little Easter egg, that little nod. And that was like, I feel like that was one of the major turning points for Gareth to be like, well, shit, like, gotta hand it to him, you know? (laughs) <laughs> like he's he's so and like i mean obviously it's a tribute to you because you just like like you, you went so meta but it like was so wonderful it was hilarious and perfect and it, it just added to like you know making readers love does that that much more um and yeah i just like that's what the same it's like you made gareth like not just like not like sympathetic but still like you know not hateable right like he wasn't like a disgusting piece of shit he was like doing his job it could have been does on yeah. on that on that end does with you know hired and then it could have been gareth with razia and lale as they're you know he protecting them and it's like it could have been either way and i think that just like adds to the complexity just makes it more interesting and just just makes readers think more you know Thank you so much. One of my really favorite scenes, absolute favorite scene is when they go to have breakfast together because Gareth wants to parley. He says, can we talk our way out of this? And I I don't remember, this may be unfair to say this because it's probably not true, but I don't remember ever re- reading another book, of action adventure type of book in which the bad guy says, hey, look, can we talk our way out of this? Um, is, you know, could we pay you off? Can we, is there, is there a way that we can make that, um, you'll have my guarantee the sisters can walk away and it'll be. So I, I liked having the voice of reason at that point be the chief muscle for the bad guys. That yeah, was, I, because, yeah, because, no, I, I agree with you. I don't know if I've, um, come across that enough where he's like, and he even does is like, okay, can I trust this dude? You know, and he asks, his connections who who acts as like the you know the uh the bridge of communication he's like what do you, you know what do you think and he's like no i think right now in this instance this situation yes like but just for that because it's it and it's so yeah because i don't think i've ever encountered like an antagonist who was just like let's 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 see what's going on let's you know Let's check this out. He he's giving Des the benefit of the doubt, and and I think you know ultimately, while that was like, it, I, I think it you know, it made things a little more tricky for for Gareth too, because then he was just like, like I I respect him and I don't want to, I feel like he shouldn't be killed, but I gotta kill him because otherwise like he's he's in me in my way. And even after that, it was like Des as Des like gets more involved and he does more research and he finds out more things. He's like, uh, no, like I can't know it, like because that's not who does it. Is like knowing this, I can't just like leave it at having the sisters be safe. Like this is like he it's just like the kind of person he is. It's just like he can't let it slide. It, it itches at him. This bothers him. He's like, no, I need to stop this. And it's just you know, it was so that was like kind of probably an example of where you know it goes a little bit slower paced but it's still like that tension is still there and that's still like you know you're kind of hanging on every word and on the dialogue and all that stuff 
I, I loved how Des just got under his skin at like every turn. I, you know, I loved the per- the points of view from from McDonald because you got to see how other characters reacted to Des's hijinks. Where, you know, I think it was where you know one of the situations happens and where he causes chaos, and then he, you know, knowing that it's gonna, the media is going to catch wind of it, and he's just. He goes and grabs popcorn and he goes and like sits next to the crowds acting like he just walked up and he's just like, <laughs> and then Garrett sees him like on the, on the media feed and he's just like, that son of a bitch. Like what? <laughs> yeah. And it is those parts that are just so funny and enjoyable. It was fun doing a character who from time to time is a 15 year old snot. I mean, he can be, he can be just. Um, not mature in the slightest from, from time to time. And that's sure fun to have a character. <laughs> it will feed his 15 year old. And, you know, I know that's, I, I, I enjoy that, those bits of the character quite a bit. Yeah. So then James Byrne is another, like, it's a, a separate pen name. Um, where was your previous pen, your other pen name? That's also, uh, thrillers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I've yeah. written Mr. Thrillers under Dana Haynes. And and now James Byrne. Okay, yeah. So what what draws you to the thriller genre? Um, like, I, I mean, I, I know I love thrillers. I'm a sucker for them. I, you know, it gets really engaged, and you add the mystery in it. It pulls you along, and it's great. But kind of like what? Because you know, usually when people switch pen names, they might like add a little. They might be trying something different. So like you know, which, you know, I'll have to go back to Dana Haynes and add some on my to read list, but like, you know, so what, what draws you to thrillers and, and kind of like, you know, what, um, what made you decide to kind of like switch gears, if anything? Two answers really. One is that my dad loved mysteries and thrillers. And uh, my my dad, uh, when we were kids, dad would read some book that he just loved and he'd storm into your room and say, you got to read this. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. (laughs) So I I got started from that. Second is I always write for myself. I am my first audience. I write books that I want to read uh, because you're going to be with them for months and months and months. And if you're writing something that you're not really enjoying all that much, it's going to show through. (laughs) I, I, I write books for me. And the way I know if a first draft is working or not is when I think to myself, God, I got to get off work. I got to go feed the cat. I got to do my prep for dinner I'm making tonight. I got to write chapter seven. Now, if I start thinking about the book as a chore, then I know that it's not the right story. Whereas if I wake up in the morning and think, oh, man, I put my protagonist in a weird situation. How am I going to get out of this one? If I'm thinking, oh, this is fun. This is exciting. Then I'm doing the right book. And that's the book I should be doing. Because if it's entertaining me, then there's an ch- off chance it'll entertain somebody else. If it doesn't pass that test, it's got no chance at all. So that's yeah. my first. Always write for me first. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good indicator. Cause I can tell like just from the, the effort that you put in and the success, the success that you've had, I could just tell that, you know, you're, if not, you know, if you're not, I could tell you're smart. If you're not smart, you're just very like, you know, diligent and dedicated and like intuitive for the most part, you know, it's like, Interrupt me if I'm wrong. If I'm tooting your horn too hard. <laughs> but no, it's like I can tell. And like a lot, usually authors are like either they're they're very intelligent or they can just like kind of like zone in and and get deep in there and get in the zone. You want to challenge yourself, right? And if you're like, eh, this isn't like this isn't getting my, you know, 
this isn't getting it going for me or this isn't getting me excited. And you're like, mm-hmm. you don't want to just leave it at that. Right. Cause then it's like, yeah, you want, at the end of the day, you want your readers to, to get excited and be entertained and to like feel what you feel when yeah. even when you're reading your favorite books or when you feel like, you know, how your dad was where you're just like so excited about it. Like, I love that. Cause I'm like such a bookworm. I'm a big dork and I wear that badge proudly. And so like, I just, you know, when I, when I uh, come across a book like this one where I'm like, I'm like, no, yeah. Like I'm, I'm like right in your corner. Like, yes, I'm excited. I'm entertained. Absolutely. I'm glad whatever your process was, I'm glad that you did it that way you did. I, even though I w- would love to see the 40 pages you threw out here and there, I'm still like, you know, no, I'm glad that I'm glad you threw those 40 pages out. <laughs> like I don't know, whatever it took to get where you were, you know, to get where you, where you ended up with, like, I'm, that's, that's great. And I, I love that your parents were like, or your dad was just like, I just think that's so sweet. Um, because I'm, you know, my mom, she's a big reader and I love being able to like, eat for Christmas presents or Mother's Day gifts. I'm just like, like here, I'm going to buy you a book. This is a book that I found. This is a book that I like. Here you go. And then the same thing, like with my kids, like they see me reading all the time. And even when it's like, we're in summer mode now, they're not in summer a camp like five days a week, but, and they, you know, they wake up and they're ready to go like at two hours before I am. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, mommy, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, go read a book like I just like it's 6 30 in the morning or 6 5 30 in the morning I'm like go read your book or go like you know I just I just like I want to like that what do they call it like that bridge the the bridge between grades and so I'm like trying to just keep be mindful of that but I'm like I'm, I'm just always like I, I tell them I'm I will always buy you books that's one thing that you'd like. I will always buy you books. Like, yes, we could go to a bookstore. Yes. You don't, I don't, I'm not going to buy you toys. You have a million toys. I will always buy you books. I don't care. My whole house can be a library. I don't care. I will love it. It's so, it's just, I love that your um, a dad just like sparked that in you from the get go. I love that. And it's, that's why I think it's adorable too. Cause I'm like, looking at my little kids. I'm like, no, go read. Like, <laughs> We're going to go to the library. You're going to have your own library card. Go read. Like, <laughs> We'll say my my father's passed away, but my mom is nearing 90 and she reads about three books a week and she remembers the books she reads. That's too, and, you know, wild. She's, yeah. She's crazy better reader than I am. And my mom is just, she's, she reads everything too. And she's amazing. Is she she's like out. one of your beta readers too? Or are you like, yeah. no, don't. Okay. I was going to say like some, I, some people would be like, no, don't read it. Like, <laughs> Um, your your list uh, for those people who have read my books, you'll note that there's never any actual explicit sex scenes in my books. That's because my mom's reading them, and I cannot afford that much therapy. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I can't do it. Can't. Do You're it. like, okay, mom, skip pages one fifty four through one sixty two. Can't be done. And as for being smart, I, I have got a couple of super big advantages. One is I came out of journalism and I really know journalists, the good journalists learn early on to say, I don't understand that. Please explain it to me. And you don't front and you don't pretend to know stuff you don't know. And um, a journalist, a really good journalist will say to a person, explain that to me. Okay. Explain it again. Okay. Explain it like I'm in fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just don't quite get it yet. And you just learn to not ever pretend you know what you don't know, because 
then you're going to write about it. And you're going to look like an idiot. So yeah. that's one of the advantages I've got. The other advantage I got is that before I was in journalism, I was a theater nerd. I did lots and lots of theater in high school and in college and did community theater, which um, the, the reason that's helpful is that it's how I choreograph scenes. I literally walk scenes. Katie and I will walk scenes. And I was like, the protagonist entered this way, the antagonist entered this way. This is what they would see. This is what, um, and um, I, I block scenes in my head and I like I'm staging them up for a stage. And I think that's, um, I think that's why I have so much fun with action sequences is because right, I was just about to say you can like picture it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Where, where things are relative to each other and what the, what people would see and, and the choreography and the staging of it is something I, I work on really hard. I will draw diagrams of scenes and uh, and uh, storyboard them. That's a that's something that you could do for like your social media when you're promoting the book, just like posting your sketches and just, you know, you know, that's just a, like. That's a freebie. Just so you- <laughs> Megan steps up freebie. <laughs> Cause that's something that I would like, I would, it would be like, you know, while I'm doom scrolling, that would be like, Oh, like, <laughs> fun, huh? yeah. Yeah. Just, just a little tidbit, just a little suggestion. Um, that's so fun. No. Cause I, I, I get that a lot from uh, authors who I talk to when they're trying to, um, you know, map out their action sequences is like, they're, they're like, Oh, I wish I could just like point a camera and like, just kind of like write it out from the angles and from the people and who's grabbing what and what physical contact there is and what they're seeing and what's on the ground and like all that. Cause all of that is so like important to helping the reader just like picture everything, you know, cause it's with such like far fetched, like, situations that does finds himself in and gets himself out of it's like yeah you have to be like realistic you have to be accurate you have to like paint it out you have to kind of just help the reader really picture the possibility of him being in a hospital room and fighting or being in a hospital finding his way to the room and having really no weapons on him but somehow taking down like three people like it's (laughs) like how is that gonna happen how is he gonna do that Funny story. Um, uh, if you're uh, in Europe, sometimes they, uh, and there's like military that are guarding facilities. I'm thinking of when we were in Milan and we were at the cathedral there in Milan and there's military guards and they won't let you take photos of them because of terrorism rules. So oh, okay. an infinite number of photos of a quarter of my wife, Katie King's face while she's posing and she's, you know, totally beautiful woman. She's stunning. And I'll have these images and behind her is a soldier and I have taken photos of the soldier so I can see that. <laughs> kind of hats they have, what kind of belts they have, what their guns look like. But it looks like, you know, and she's posing and looking beautiful as she always does. And they are unaware that I've got just shot after shot after shot of the military. Do they tuck their pants into their boots? Do they have the cross belt? You know, all that thing. Because because my incredibly amazing wife will stand there and let me do that in uh, in setting after setting after setting. So. I love that. That's awesome. She's in your corner no matter what. She's like, no, this doesn't work. Women don't do that. And yeah, you need a picture? Okay, let's do like covert operation here. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so important. Like you need, yeah, you need a little partner in crime every now and then, right? To like really make that happen. Um, So there's a few more more questions. Uh, This hour went by so quick. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so you know what i'm gonna go for it i i'm very repetitive with my questioning but i i i love hearing the answers 
Um, so what were your favorite parts to write with the second time around and what were the most challenging parts to write? It was really fun to introduce Portland, Oregon. That was super fun. And the North and the Pacific Northwest. I enjoyed that a lot. And, um, I, uh, really enjoyed the antagonists. I think that I found, um, the quartet of people created this company and then the military arm. And then there's a, a cancer that's grown inside this company without giving away too many secrets. And I found myself really enjoying the antagonists a great deal. I was having a lot of fun with them. Uh, so that was really great. The technical stuff was I had to write about technology and to say I ain't a tech boy is way too uh, mild a point. I mean, I am really not that dude at all. <laughs> so I had to do a breathtaking ton of research into things like tantalum for, you know, where <laughs> I'm, I'm good with politics because I'm a journalist, but I am, uh, that stuff is foreign nature to me. And I had to do, that was really hard to come up with some tech stuff that seemed to make sense because I was starting from ground zero on my knowledge of technology and electronics. And I didn't know what the hell I was writing about, <laughs> but I think that helped you write it better coming and really having to really understand it from top to bottom. Um, Cause I, I think about that too, where it's like, I don't know. I just, I think I just remember from like when I was, you know, doing my studies, uh, you know, in college or whatever, where if I had to do a presentation and there was like a snippet in there about something that I like a term that I never heard before, I would then, yeah, go deeper and understand what that term was. And if I had to do a presentation on it, it makes me explain it. Right. Like for right. people who don't know it, like me, who were, have never heard that term before to be like, oh, so, who you know, those of you who don't know, this is this and blah, blah, blah. And it really does help you. Like if you don't know it, you research it and you become like speaking on to like your process of journalists before where explain it to me, explain it to me, not pretend I'm like 10 years old, you know, like it's 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 so important. And I think you have to have that like humility. You have to have you have to like just be willing to admit like, yeah, I don't know shit about this. And so that you can really be so you can be more welcoming and more um, absorbent of the information and more for me. I'm like, I think I'm just like a read, write learner. Like if you explain something to me like here, like this, like with just listening and speaking, that would be, be like, okay, explain it to me again. Explain it to me again. Cause if like versus like, if I read something, I'm like, oh, okay, like I get it. So, like, that's also that also comes into play too, because I'm like, I don't think I could ever be a journalist. Because for one, I'm not a go getter. Two, I can't think of my feet. Three, I'm like, I'm not like, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't. A lot of it is just so dependent on that live feed, right? That live, that in person information gathering, where I'm like, no, we can go write it down. Like, if I had a recorder, fine. Like an audio recorder. I'm okay. But like at the same time, you have to have like all those skills to really like absorb the information, know what information you don't have and be able to identify and ask the right questions. And that's like definitely transitions or transfers to like researching for a book and mm -hmm. trying out new things for your book and taking it a step further. Um, so that totally makes sense. And it's like, you know, I, 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 I'm totally there with you where it's, it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta get into it and you have to really understand it, but really, really acknowledging that you have no knowledge or experience whatsoever. I think that helps you and it takes you so much further than if you were like kind of familiar with it. You know, it's like, 
you know, because then you learn all those little details that maybe you wouldn't have thought to ask because maybe you thought you knew it. It's like, you know, but it's I guess it depends on your curiosity, right? Like it depends on how curious you are like the depth that you feel like you need to go but i think it's just, maybe it's just your skills as like you know your previous career as like a journalist where you're just used to like getting all of it you're used to just digging deep as deep as you can because you know that you might not get a second chance to like ask more questions right right yeah. it's also i gotta i gotta talk about my privileges too as a as a white male too i can pretend to be dumb while talking to people, my cohort, my newspaper, Jules, she can't do that because women aren't allowed to say, I don't understand that because you yeah, get bad enough. I appreciate that. Yeah. And one of my privileges as a white guy, as a guy, is that I can play the dummy. I can say, gee, I don't know nothing about that. Can you explain it to me? A little more uh, forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And women journalists don't have that luxury. So uh, it's, I, I try and keep my own privileges, the lens of my own privileges front and center as much as I can, because if you don't, then you become a jackass. But yeah, <laughs> I love that you acknowledge that. I appreciate that so much because it's so true. But I think you've, if, you'd be a jackass if you didn't notice that in your years in your profession, right? That's just that just comes with years in your industry and doing your job and noticing those differences. And then where you get to a point where you're like, oh, you know, I guess, you know, my my gender and my skin color really do afford me to kind of play that. And I, I I know I'm so glad that that you acknowledge that. And that's so telling of how you approach yeah how you approach and how you notice everything that you're doing and and how leak that into does too where he kind of he he's that he's he's like that too where he acknowledges it he like acknowledges like you know he doesn't i don't want to see he's like gender blind or color blind or any of that he's just you know he he kind of acknowledges it and then he moves on but he treat he treats everyone on the same baseline he doesn't he doesn't underestimate women he doesn't treat them as physical objects he doesn't treat them as like someone for one purpose he respects the hell out of everyone he comes across no matter what um he doesn't underestimate everyone he doesn't he also doesn't doesn't resort to violence that's if his last re- that's his last resort okay. that's his yes. last resort cuz he knows he knows he's going to end it <laughs> <laughs> and he's like i don't want to like hey come on mate like you know he's just like or come on love and um there wasn't you know one of the female bartenders uh the owner of the bar that he uh goes to for to watch his friend play and that you know and, but i love how he also like we see the little teenager in him where the second that he gets you know a little sliver of the action he's just like excited and he turns into like he turns into that like i i just i love it i love it i love that part of him where he's and then when the characters he just she's just like usually guys try to act like a little bit cooler when they're about to get lucky he's like i I, no like i don't care that's not me like i don't like why (laughs) just like why you know and i think that just makes him that much more like lovable he's not he's not trying to you know put up any faces or he's just he's just real what you see is what you get until you're in trouble and then you and then you then you get a little bit more you know? 
my editor uh, at St. Martin's told me he really liked the fact that Des just is excited about getting sex. He just comes <laughs> in 15 years old. He's like, sex? How about you cry? So uncool about it. But, and Keith said, that was one of the very first things that Keith said, I've never re- read that before. A guy who completely lacks cool. <laughs> But he knows he doesn't have to try to be cool. He's not worried about it because he just, but I, you know, but that's kind of, I don't know. I'm sure your wife spoke on this too, where she, like, that's a little refreshing, you know, that's like a little, that's it, it, another, like, I don't know if adorable is the right word, but it's like, you know, it, it's not necessarily a turn off, right? It's just yeah. like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice change of pace and it's a nice, like, you know, acknowledgement of just being authentic, him just being real, like one way or another, like they know they're getting sex. Like, yeah, they get excited and he's like not afraid to show it. And it's so funny. And I love it. (laughs) A lot of fun to write. Those scenes are awfully, awfully fun to write. I wish that Des was like, like a family member or like a friend. I love him so much. He's, he's awesome. He's so lovable. And he's also like, he seems like a kind of person who's like, well, well, teach me how to throw a punch. And he'd be like, all right, come on, come on, love. Let's go. Like, you know, he'd be, or then he would teach me a little bit more. Like, you know, he's just, he would be all for it. He'd respect it. And he wouldn't look down on me for, for wanting to learn something or he wouldn't belittle me. He'd just be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Like, by the way, I got something to do. All right. Like, just, like he would just run off mysteriously off on his own little hijinks of solving this, you know, multi uh, international ring of secretive operations. <laughs> like, what, you know, whatever he's working on on a Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a uh, second time around, you got to know Des for another, I don't know, another year when the first one released, Oh God, what was it? It was last year, right? What? But I've got the date. I've got the date. June seventh. See, I've got my notes from the last time. You're good. (laughs) I know, I'm crazy. Um, so yeah, so it's about a year. So uh you've got it uh, an additional year with Des. What advice would you give to Des after a year longer of, of being with him? What advice would I give to Des? Oh, that's such a great question. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think I would encourage Des uh, to find out more about America. Because right now, he just sort of keeps stumbling into some bad people. And obviously, that is not the majority of Americans. And, and um, it, I would I would encourage him to actually uh, run into people who are Americans who he doesn't end up punching. Um, because I think he would he would find that enriching unfortunately i'm writing thrillers and so that's not going to happen actually because that would be horrible but um <laughs> more about uh, the kind of americans that you don't end up hitting in the nose yeah yeah just everyday people who are yeah. aren't up aren't up to no good you know <laughs> uh perfect so james Byrne, what is next what can uh readers look forward to future projects that you could talk about yeah, book three is written in manuscript form, and it's with St. Martin's Press. It comes out Yay! next year. Book four I have not started yet uh, because I sort of – they're not actually consec- uh, consecutive. So if you read them in the wrong order, you'd probably be okay. But nonetheless, I hop – I skip characters. So we meet characters in the first book. 
who appear uh, in the se- in the second one. Characters in the second one appear in the third. So I got to see what St. Martin's and my my wonderful, wonderful editor, Keith, thinks about book three. If he's happy with book three, then I'll get started on book four. And that would come out then in 2025. And I would write these books till I'm an old man if they want me to, because I'm having enormous amount of fun doing it. I love it. I'm so excited. I would be right there with you. And, you know, if you want to come back, come back. I would love to be able to talk to you about book three. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So much fun. Yes. So James Byrne, where can uh, readers and listeners find you online and on social media? Uh, James, uh, burn mystery.com and burn is B Y R N E. That's, that's the website. And then, um, all independent bookstores and the major chains have been carrying the books. And for the first time in my life, my books were even carried in places like airports. Um, that I had my sales for, for gatekeeper were the finest sales I've ever had. And so, uh, and we just got a review from Booklist that said they thought book two was better than book one. So oh. we are, I'm over the moon right now. We're getting ready to, uh, to launch in, in August, the the next book, having so much fun. It's just been a, an absolute blast. So I uh, get to do shows like yours and get to meet people like you who are book fans, which is an honor and a blessing. So thank you. Absolutely. No, I'm so excited. And that's so that's so exciting. Congratulations. That's such a huge deal that your success has transcended anything that you could have hoped for. And the fact that uh, Gatekeeper was such a big deal, such a huge success, and that people are saying, deadlock is even better that's big that's huge i love it that's awesome it is awesome i don't know even if i put somebody had to like ask like which one which one is better i don't know i don't know like i they're both you i I feel like you can't i don't want to rob people of gatekeeper (laughs) let's say like (laughs) read both of them read both of them absolutely (laughs) yeah so uh james Byrne, um the gatekeeper is available now deadlock is available on august 8th thank you so much this was so much fun like i said come back we're here for you love and i cannot wait for more des limerick i'm so excited we'll keep an eye out for you this is grand fun thank you so much And so there you go. That was James Byrne talking about Deadlock. That comes out on August 8th. That is the sequel to The Gatekeeper, um, the first in the Des Limerick series. The Gatekeeper is available now for those of you who want to catch up before Deadlock comes out. Check out the show notes for links to find James Byrne online and on social and where you can purchase both titles. Check out on Instagram and Twitter, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. If you do find that um, a book that you really like that we recommended, go ahead and rate and review on Amazon and on Goodreads. It really does help the authors out. And always, thank you guys so much for listening.